This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Good afternoon. I'm here with Sean, Gorilla Boy, and Brazino. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Gr- great to have you on. I know you're no stranger to, to podcasting and media of all different kinds. No, yeah. When you have a face like this, even though it should be built for radio, for some people, for some reason, people love seeing it on camera. I don't know why. <laughs> well, let me give a little uh, context to our conversation today and background. I, I, w- I would love you to introduce yourself, but um, you're a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and fixture down in the South Florida BJJ and mixed martial arts community. Uh, you've been around wrestling and, and, and Jiu-Jitsu and martial arts for a long time down there. And the, the first time I met you, I told you this a couple months ago when we were training. I don't expect you to remember it, but uh, it was at Manny Soros's gym like two or three gyms ago. It was over, over 10 years ago. And you were purple belt. I believe I was a white belt. And I came into train just visiting in from New York. And I was struck by your size and athleticism. Uh, and you use virtually no strength to just completely dismantle me in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, and that was a long time ago. Um, we, we did some training about, I don't know, six weeks ago. I was down in Florida, maybe a little bit more. And we, we, we slap hands, we bump fists, and, you know, we start to engage. You're sitting in guard, and all of a sudden you kind of like, I like maybe it's like, I wouldn't call it like a lazy round, but it's just like kind of two guys feeling each other out. And all of a sudden, I'm in, find myself in uh, a knee cut pass. And you slide your arm around the back of my leg. And then all of a sudden, you give me just the slightest bit of bump with a little bit of the knee and a little bit of the arm. And my foot comes right up and you catch my foot. And all of a sudden, I'm swept. And I said, what just happened? And then you said two words, Buddha guard. Buddha guard. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's something I've so what it's what's interesting about that is is I've been showing that to more and more people. Um I I I have to thank Jay-Z Cavalcante for naming it the Buddha Guard. Um just because that's how I sit. He says because <laughs> you look like the Buddha. So we started calling it Buddha Guard and a couple of years ago I started playing with the shin on shin from mm. that position. But what would happen is every once in a while I'd shoot in for the shin on shin and I'd miss and I would catch their leg and almost like like it's almost like a half guard, you know, with that arm around the leg. And we're calling it. So Buddha guard is is the sitting part. But that sweep that we're calling, we're calling it the Griswold sweep. <laughs> OK. And the reason we're calling it, the I, I have different names for everything, uh, but the reason I'm calling it for the Griswold sweep is because if you remember the cover of Vacation, the original Vacation, it had Chevy Chase in like a painting and he's holding a racket above his head like Conan the Barbarian and his yeah. wife around his leg like this. That's where, that's where <laughs> Griswold comes from. So we call it the Griswold sweep at, at, at my school. And I've, I've actually, um, uh, since I, I now work for a company called Nutrex Research and... Um, their supplement company, incredible products, but we'll get to that later. Um, but um, I have to, I'm in Orlando every other week and I started training at a place called Armada Jiu-Jitsu in Orlando. Uh, one with 
actually somebody I went to third grade with. I was in the same third grade class. His name is Darren Shapiro, actually a multi-time world champion wakeboarder. Oh, wow. X Games, all kinds of things like that. And I was showing this to him last week. And he's like, okay, I'm starting to understand it because there's so many options. There's so many options. I can go to I can go to that sweep, but there's like four different sweeps I can go from that position. I can get to deep half. I can get to X. There's like, I'm like, it's it's one of my favorite things to do. And and I'm glad you remembered feeling the effects of the Budigard slash Griswold sweep. Well, for those of you who are listening to this and not watching it. You know, Sean is a big guy. Uh, he is built like uh, a gorilla. That's his his t- uh, handle on literally uh, Instagram. So he's leaned into this. I'm not saying anything he doesn't know. Um, and in in training with him, even though I'm sure he's able to train like a gorilla, uh, I'm a I'm a big guy. I'm six two two twenty. It's not like I'm a small person, but he it was so effortless. It was so elegant. <laughs> It was beautiful. I mean, I was thinking about it a lot after after you did it, and uh, I just thought it would be a nice a nice way to frame our conversation over here, um, and and just say thanks for being on the podcast. Of course, you're we, like we're, not, we're not we're not we don't have a close relationship. I've admired uh, your jujitsu for a very very long time, and it's a pleasure to have you. So maybe you could give us a little background. Are you from Florida? Where'd you grow up? I well, I'm I, I'm as Floridian as you can get without being born in Florida. I uh, I moved down here when I was six from uh, Western New York, Buffalo slash Rochester area. Nobody asked me; they just moved me down here. I, I had no no choice in the matter because um, I really liked it up there. I don't know, I you know, it was home. But uh, been down here since I was six. Now I don't want to leave, so I wouldn't want to leave Florida. Florida's my that's my state, so. Um, been down here for, you know, I'm not going to tell, well, I'm, I'm going to be 50 this year. So 40, 44 years I've been down here. So, um, yeah, I, lo- I love Florida. You know, I, I wanted to touch on something, Jordan, you say about when you talked about, you know, how it was effortless and how I don't use strength and, and when it comes to jujitsu. So there's two things that have been able to, you know, why I don't use strength in jujitsu. Number one, my background in professional wrestling, um, we learned, you know, you learn how not to hurt your opponent. And so I'm very cognizant of how I and where I put things and how I do things just because, you know, for 15 years, that's what I did is, is I made sure that things were not, people weren't getting hurt. Yeah. Second thing is if you're a big guy and you train like a big guy, you're not going to have many training partners. The problem is, is if you train like a big guy with everybody, you're going to hurt people. You're just going to dominate people. And and after a while, people are either just going to avoid you or they're just, you know, they're basically going to like just try to kill you when they roll with you. So there's like that. That's I've found that if you give it, you know, let's just, you know, I, I'm just going to use technique against your technique. I'm trying not to use my strength. And, uh, you know, and then we'll go from there. That's that's what I've learned is is because if, if I don't have training partners, I'm not going to get any better. So I wanted to make sure I always had training partners. So that was where mm-hmm. that kind that style came from. I wish more people would do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it. Well, it's rare amongst the super, super heavyweight. You know, I compete 
over the years. And I told my wife when we got married, um, you see those guys on the other side of the mat? She's like, yeah. It's like, that's why I had to get down to 206. <laughs> <laughs> because like occasionally I go to a tournament and I would be in the 220 category, which is just too big for me. And then there's the one above 220 where it's the guys that are 6'8", 375 pounds, fighting a guy that's 5'6", 320 pounds. And it's just – it's like uh, an earthquake when they hit the mat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and, okay. So you're from, you're from Florida. You move, or you're from New York. You moved down to Florida. You mentioned you have a background in professional wrestling, but you also had a background in playing Division One football. Mm -hmm. You were like, a skateboarder. And so you're, you're an athlete growing up. Always been an athlete. I, like, you know, when I was a kid, I was always in T-ball or flag football. But um, around, you know, 10, 11 is when I started being becoming a, a skater punk. Um, so, and even though that's technically a leisure activity slash hobby, I, I dare you to find better athletes than some of the top pro skaters that are out there. Yeah. Better yet, I dare you to find tougher people than skateboarders. These guys have a mindset and, a, you know, an athletic ability that, you know, how many times can you, if you, I don't know if you've ever watched, I don't know if you're a skater guy, but if you've ever watched, one of the greatest moments I've ever seen on TV was Tony Hawk going for the 900 at the, like the first or second X Games. And he kept going. He was closer and closer and closer. And he kept slamming and slamming and slamming. And it's only skateboarders that have that mentality of, I slammed. I'm almost. I was this close. I'm going to try it again. And they'll slam. They'll slam a thousand times just to land a trick once. And yeah. that's that's. Uh, I've that mindset is kind of is, is kind of what what uh, is really attractive about skateboarders. And I I don't know if I was in it long enough to adopt that kind of mindset. But after, but you know, skating and then high school football and then college football at UCF. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, school here in um, in Palm Beach County called uh, Santa Lucia's Community High School. There comes my cat. There goes my cat. Um, Santa Lucia's Community College or Community High School. Um, we were Division Five and we were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> my junior year, we went two and eight. My senior year, we went four and six. Wow. So you had some kind of innate ability or size or something at the time that brought you to the college scene? Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I wasn't overly, I wasn't huge. I'm, I'm six, one and a half, but uh, coming out of high school, I was like 250. Hmm. Um, and UCF liked what they saw and um, when I got up there and I started playing and then, and what they, what they did not like was how small I was. Cause I didn't, you know, you, you don't think 250 is small, but for a defensive lineman, it's pretty small. So they, they wanted me to gain weight. So oh, wow, that, that, uh, that's where my, my fight with, uh, my battle with the bulge <laughs> began <laughs> because I think naturally my body just wanted to be 250, you know? Yeah. You know, right now I'm, I'm hovering around 290, 295. Oh, wow. Um, at, the, at my heaviest, though, I was 335. But, um, but yeah, like, but I went from, I went from 250 to 310 in about four months. Wow. So. <laughs> that must have been uh, 
A lot of pressure on your skateboards. Yeah, <laughs> you would think. But uh, so, we, it's we, funny you said it, Tony Hawk. You know, I I was never a skater, but I, I and this is like the last time I played video games because I'm I really was never into video games, but I was very into Tony Hawk on I think it was like Dreamcast or like that Sega, and it was huge at the time. I mean, it was so big. That was when I was in high school, and um, I had the greatest also, soundtrack ever. Yeah, and like yeah, great soundtrack. And in middle school and high school, I was like super into punk rock and ska music, and so that was like always adjacent to skateboarding. How you didn't become a skater, I don't know. Because I was a huge skier uh, and lacrosse player, and that took up all my time. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I I, I, st I stopped skating probably like. I stopped like from 10 to like 15 is when I skated. And then I put it away until I was 40. And oh, then wow. I picked it back up again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, those skaters, they are tough as nails and um, playing college football. That That's no slouch either. So you, so you graduate from college football and you go immediately to professional wrestling. I mean, no, no, I got kicked off the team. <laughs> I got kicked off the team uh, two years in. Uh, like I, when I got up to college, I was too young and immature to be at college. Yeah, and I didn't know what I wanted to be. I really like. I think honestly, I don't. I think college at twenty or at eighteen is a terrible idea because nobody knows what they want to be at that age. Yeah. You don't like your brain's not even developed till you're twenty five. So what I like, I, you know, I wish I would have waited. Uh, I didn't actually start going back to school again until I was in my 30s. And that's when I really figured out what I wanted to do. Early 30s, 31. But um, but I I got kicked off the team. I came back home and I was floundering. I was looking, but coming from that skateboarder football uh you know mindset, I was addicted to the the collision. Hmm. And I was like, what am I gonna do? So I floundered for a couple of years, I bounced lifted weights. And then one of my buddies was doing pro wrestling. He's like, come watch me train. So I went and watched him train. And then the, the people that were training him asked me to get in the ring and, and just like, give it a shot. And I just did what they were doing. Right. I just, but I'm an athlete and I, and I, I know my body and I know how to understand, you know, I know what to do. They're asking me like, who trained you? I go, nobody trained me. I just watched what you guys did. And here I am and their eyes lit up and next thing you know, I'm training pro wrestling and pursuing that for 10 years, 10, 15 years until I found jujitsu. And then that wrestling took a backseat as soon as I found jujitsu. Were you able to make a living uh, off pro wrestling? At one point? Yes. Um, I was living in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. um, me and I was in a tag team with my, with, uh, with a buddy of mine. And uh, we lived in Puerto Rico while I was married, which was which was tough. And, uh, you know, I was able to, you know, I was making, you know, I want to say it was like, I think it was like $800 under the table in early 2000 per week. And yeah. I was able to live there and send money home to my wife. Like half my paycheck went to her, half my paycheck. I, I kept it in Puerto Rico and was able to live fine. And it was, it was wasn't ideal but it was actually it was a really it was fun but not ideal time yeah are there I, any I are there any, are there any lessons to be learned from professional wrestling the reason why i asked that question is that first of all i know 
absolutely nothing about professional wrestling other than the UFC's parent company, Endeavor, just bought WWE and they merged this mega company, which I'm interested in your opinion on. But um, Eric Weinstein, you know who this guy is? He's on the Joe Rogan podcast from time to time. He's a mathematician and physicist, really smart guy. And he has a very interesting metaphor and parallel for what's going on in the world right now uh, with COVID and all of our politicians and leaders. And the way that he describes it is through the lens of KFAB and professional wrestling. And that's the only, that my only exposure to the world of wrestling is through yeah. that metaphor. So is there any universal truths that we can learn from wrestling in the current state of the world? So, so just to, just to correct you, it's pronounced kayfabe as okay. my, as my again, kayfabe. And I was the one thing I've learned, like there's a couple lessons. The first thing is if it happens in front of a camera, odds are it's fake. So that was, uh, if, if there's a crowd around odds are it was, it was scripted to happen. Um, and I've noticed that, you know, with a lot of things that are going on in this world, if it happened, the stuff that we really, we really need to know is happening with no cameras around when it comes, when, when things need to, uh, when they want to get across a, um, something that, you know, an agenda or whatever, that's when the cameras come out. Um, the other, the other lesson that you, that you learn in jujitsu is that people will say and do things to your face. Uh, and and this, I guess it's, it's not that big of a deal, but like in wrestling, it's an art where they politic to get their position. They politic to get you out of a position. So you really got to keep your cards close to the chest. Um which was something, you know, you is, if you want to survive that business, you learn to do. So if I, if I understand you correctly, what you're saying is, is that what go, went on behind the scenes of the wrestling organization, pro wrestling organization, and people jockeying for position was in some ways more ruthless than what was happening in the violence in the actual cage where you guys are looking out for each other's safety and learning how to take a fall. 100%. There's not a lot of friends in pro wrestling. Wow. That's that's that was that was a sad reality I came to. There's very few people from the pro wrestling world that uh, um that I consider friends anymore. Um I mean, I shouldn't say very few. There's a few, but like, you know, I I liked everybody. Don't get me wrong. I I, I liked them fine. It was she's driving me nuts. <laughs> Don't worry about it. For those of you listening, um, Sean's cat is is keeps wanting to get into the frame. But um, <laughs> so it, it's like there's there, but there's very few real friends that you make in that business, and and it's it's sad, and it's very opposite of jujitsu because with jujitsu you become so close with the people you train with. It's like it, it's it's ridiculous. You learn so many things about them. That sometimes, in some cases, they become even closer than family. Um, so before we get into that, because yeah. we'll, we'll come back. That's really important. How'd you get into jujitsu? You know, like where where were you? How, what year was it? How were you introduced to it? So it's funny. Um, there was so I watched the first. I actually watched the first two UFCs pay per view 
93 and 94, I think. And I remember going, dude, this little dude's beating everybody. What's he doing? And But it was 93, 94, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu was not in anywhere around South Florida that I knew at the time. Um, there was no internet, obviously, so there's like no... Like in there, it was definitely wasn't in the yellow pages. So, you know, that, but it was always in the back of my mind. Right. And so as the UFC started taking off, you know, probably around 2004, 2005, I was watching it more than I was, you know, watching anything else. And then, um, one of my, one of my buddies from high school, uh, Aaron, he was training at with these two brothers, and he's like, "Dude, I'm training jujitsu," and I was like, "Let's go!" I was in. Like, I wanted. I, I I've been dying to try it, so let's go. And it, he didn't even have to talk me into it. I just as soon as he said, "I've been training it," I'm like, "Let's go!" Boom. So I went to the next class, and that was in that was in January of 2007, and I never looked back. Um, when my, you say two brothers, was it the Valenti brothers? It was not the Valenti brothers. Oh. It was the Hodgins brothers, um, Kyle and Jude Hodgins, who were actually black belts in Japanese jujitsu, as well as they had given they had been given their black belts in Brazilian jujitsu by Helson Gracie, um, who was here at the time. Uh, these two brothers were, they learned their jujitsu from, they're from Long Island and they learned their jujitsu from a hell's angel up, up in Long Island <laughs> and done in the back, in the backyard, no mats done on grass in the backyard. Wow. Uh, two of the toughest men on the planet. Um, Kyle became a true, even though he was younger than me, he was a true mentor and because he's the one that got me into copywriting. Um, but uh, he was a true mentor, a true friend. He passed away uh, in, uh, two years ago uh, in January. Um, uh, but uh, but his, uh, his older brother, Jude, I called him Yoda. And not because of what he knew, but one time, like, funniest story is, like, there was this guy that we trained with. His name was Ray. And he was, like, really feeling himself. And Jude was, an, was older than us. He's about, I think he's about... I'm going to be 50. I think he's about seven years, seven or eight years older than me. Maybe, maybe not as much, maybe not that much, but, um, but back then, so I would have been 33. He would have been like 40 or something like that. And Ray was really feeling himself and he went at Jude. And do you remember the scene in, uh, what was it? Was it the, um, not, not, the second Star Wars episode two, when Yoda fought Dooku in the cave, mm -hmm. and he started bouncing all over the cave, and I was, and everybody was like, "What the heck? Where did this come from?" <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how Jude moved, and I started calling <laughs> Yoda after that because out of like this, like older, shorter, like real stocky dude, you wouldn't think he'd move that fast, but he was. Oh my gosh, he looked like Yoda in that scene. So I <laughs> but these these brothers were like they were they were different, man. Like they had a keg in the back in the back of their car, and they would like they'd be drinking on the parking lot and then coming in and teaching class. <laughs>
but yeah, I love those guys. They're, 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 but it just, the problem was there was only class was only two days a week. And like, I was just hungry for more. So I started cross training until they actually closed down. So I started training at uh, American top team with Charles McCarthy when he had a school in Boca and uh, that's, and then he opened one, I opened another location by my house in Boynton. And uh, that's where I met Manny. And then I followed Manny wherever he went from there. Yeah. So, and that's where we met at Manny Sources, which is mm-hmm. a Crossing Gracie affiliate. And Manny is uh, an incredible jujitsu practitioner. Would you mind just giving a little background on who Manny is and, and what it feels like to train with him? So Manny, Manny, um, Manny comes from uh, Fortaleza in Brazil. He moved here in 2000, I want to say 2002, knowing zero English, um, came here with, uh, you know, uh, not even his black belt, I think. I don't think he was a black belt. Then. I think it was a brown belt. So I think he came here with a brown belt and a dream. Worked construction, um, got onto American Top Team. Uh, was He was he, he had MMA aspirations back then. Um, won a few fights, beat um, Pat. Um, can't remember. Uh, he, Pat Healy, who was a t- one one a bigger name in the in the lightweight division, beat him uh, with a heel hook. Um, so he, he has some notable wins. Um, but training with Manny, Manny, the reason I followed Manny everywhere wasn't so much about his jujitsu, but it was about who he was. Hmm. Uh, he was a very open and passionate person, and uh, so I decided wherever Manny went. I, and and his his jujitsu did fit with mine. I like the way he taught in transitions, not just coming in and you're learning one move, and then the next day you're learning another. It was a you know a whole transition you were learning, and uh, you know I I, uh, I enjoyed that kind of te- that kind of learning. Yeah. So um, I've and it's how I teach to this day. I just shorten it. <laughs> he used to have. <laughs> 20 20 uh yeah. 20 moves in a transition where now i'll do like four to five for my guys but um but yeah and and training with manny and like if you if you've trained with manny if you've been underneath manny Suarez, you never knew that 180 pounds could feel like 400 pounds yes he's got ungodly pressure ungodly and i just nobody can figure it out he's just you know he's he's good where he i mean he knows where to put it, but it's like, it's crazy how heavy that guy can feel. And I, you know, and I tower over him both in poundage and height, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, I've trained with Manny a lot over the years. And every time I'm down in Florida, my parents live in uh, Boca Raton. So whenever I'm down, I would always seek him out and shoot him a little message on Facebook or social media and say, Hey, I'm going to be in town. And he would just say, come on down. And, you know, struck up a nice friendship over, the many, many years. And from time to time, I, so I trained with him um, last May and we were rolling and he, I, he just got to side control and he put his shoulder right into my solar plexus, but articulated my arm across my face and kind of held me in like a gift wrap from side, from side control. And then he just tapped me out with, with, with shoulder pressure on my solar plexus. And I thought about that for months, you know, like absolute months. I tried to do it to people. I couldn't work the, I couldn't work my angles the way that he did. They would, 
bump me off. They would get out. And then I came back to him about uh, maybe when around the time I saw you a few months ago. And I said, Manny, I've been thinking about this for months. You have to tell me what you're doing. And he's just like, that's what I do. <laughs> it's really the first. So the first time he tapped me out the side control, I was a blue belt. Well, the, it ha happened twice and then it never happened again because I learned my lesson. And I was like, and I was floored by the fact that you could get tapped out just from side control. And and, I'm, and he's like, well, you, you, you didn't have to. I go, I could not breathe. I had to tap. And then he did it again. And then I learned never to be flat with Manny. You really got to fight to get your hip off the ground if Manny gets to side control. Yes. If you get your hip off the ground, you can breathe. So, <laughs> so that's what I, that's what I ended up doing is, is that happened twice as a blue belt. It hasn't happened since it does not mean it won't happen again, but it, <laughs> it happened at, at blue belt. And he's was, got some good answers for that too. Cause he also knows how to, how to flatten you out. <laughs> yeah. And if he, if he, and if he can't, he just moves on to Mount or different, different position. So it's not like if, even if I gave you the secret to it, it's not like you're safe. <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh and he's and he's a great guy. He's a he's a man of God. He's a great friend. Uh and he's run a great academy for a very, very long time now in South Florida. And he's just moved into a new location, even a little bit closer to my parents' house, not far from the old location. And uh really happy to give him a shout out on this podcast because he's a he's a great guy. Yeah. Really good guy. Yeah. He he is he wears his emotions on his sleeve. He is who he is. That's what you, you know what you get with Manny. And that's why I've, I've followed him from about 2009 or 10 on. Like he gave me, like Charles gave me my blue belt, but Manny gave me every other belt after that. I'm his first American black belt. Hmm. So yeah. that makes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And he's got some, uh, he's got some great black belts and a, and a really high level room over there. You know, great guys that, that stop by and, Maybe you could comment a little bit on like the South Florida scene. There's like a, there's a really good Brazilian jiu-jitsu scene. There's a tight community and there's a lot of portability between academies that doesn't exist in all places. You know, people can kind of show up and not that it's uh, informal is not the right word, but I think that there's like a lot of friendship. It appears to me as an outsider coming in when I visit, um, there's always different people stopping by. If you go to my academy on any given night, it's basically a tribe, like, there's not too many visitors over the years. Uh, we're an affiliate of Henzo Gracie. We're right outside New York City, but it's like our people, generally speaking. When I travel for work uh, and I go to other academies, generally speaking, it's the same kind of thing. But when I train in South Florida, there seems to be like an ever-revolving group of people coming in and out of the academies. What's that like? It's great. Um, it, you know, that whole mindset of the uh, no cross training uh, seems to have died. It still exists. Um, but for the most part, it seemed to have died out a lot because a lot of these guys down here have been friends, you know, for decades, you know, a lot of the guys that Manny is friends with, he made friends with when he moved here or he had before he moved here. Um, so like, you know, uh, these, these people are, are, are again, they're, it's, it's great to be able to like, cause I train, I train with Manny. But I also train with Jay-Z, Cavalcante, 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on s- Saturdays, though, I haven't as much lately because I had a had some neck issues going on, but they're starting to get better. Like on Saturdays, I'll go down to Wagner's, uh, Wagner Rocha's um, mm-hmm. for their open mm-hmm. mat, which is incredible. Um, and and there are him and his family are are incredibly inviting, awesome people. Um, and it's like it's it's great knowing that you can go anywhere. Um, going down to, to fight sports, the main academy, Cyborg is is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and he's very welcoming as well. So it's like all these people know each other, and then I have I have a pretty good reputation in in Florida as just you know being being a nice guy, being a good guy. So most people I, I've never been turned down to you know I've actually gotten invited to train in more places than I've ever been told. Eh, we don't we don't allow outsiders, but it's like it's great that we have this ability to cross train. And I tell my guys. I go, I want you guys to train other places. That way, if you learn something cool, you can bring it back and show us and see, you know, see if there's something else. Because um, th- I, the, the thing is, a lot of, there used to be that culty feel with a lot of jujitsu instructors hmm. where like they, they are, they are the jujitsu God. They know everything. And that's, that's just not the case. And I'm, I'm up front with my guys. I said, look, I'm a pretty solid black belt. You know, I've been training, uh, and I think it's 17 years now, or just over 16. I don't remember. Um, just over 16 years, and um, you know, I've I've won a world cha- I won a world championship at brown belt, and for Matt, I mean Masters World, not a real world championship. But yeah, that's real world. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I won that in 2014. So it's like I have you know good accolades, but I also know I don't know everything, and I want you guys to understand that. Like the moment you close your mind to other jujitsu ideas, you're not going to grow. You have to keep your mind open. I, I can tell you, since I started training uh, with with you know the guys up in Armada in Orlando, I've learned a ton of new things. That are like, and it's just because there's different styles, and I I, I tell that to everybody. I go, everybody's got their own brand of jujitsu, and I mean, and what I mean, everybody, I mean, like each individual has their own brand, because to me, it comes from like your brand of jujitsu comes from your mindset, your uh, your athletic ability, your your uh, uh, athletic ability, or your athletic ability. The, your body style, your body type, your mentality. So all that goes into your jujitsu style. Plus, you've learned from this guy, this from this guy, that from that guy, this from that guy. So nobody on the planet has a jujitsu style that's like yours. Nobody. Mm-hmm. But they, they do they have similar jujitsu? 100%. But nobody's style is exactly like yours. And I think that's an incredibly appealing, uh, uh, like, uh, driver for people to get into jujitsu it's it's something that you can truly own and be be have something of of that's yours yeah well you brought it up before and you started to talk about and i think it's a good time to revisit this topic which is um the difference between your experience with professional wrestling and now with brazilian jiu-jitsu whereas it was very difficult to foster authentic relationships with all of the politicking and the nature I guess you would say the nature of, am, am I saying it right? K-Fab or K-Fabe? K-Fabe. So what is it about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu 
that fosters this, you know, you, you, it's very personal, it's very artistic, but at the same time, it brings people together and, and forms community. Um, because nobody, I, I guess the difference between that and, and jujitsu is how good you get in jujitsu doesn't affect somebody else's social standing. I, you know what? That's probably not true because that can happen. So that's not it. I, I, I would have to, I would have to think of because, and, and even though you have it in pro wrestling, you have this, you have this trust factor that they're going to, you know, they're not going to try to dump you on your head in the ring. Yeah. And jujitsu, it's a trust factor of a different kind because they could actually think about it. Like they could actually kill you in a choke. Like you could die. And, and, you know, we're trusting each other. We are trusting each other daily to let go of that choke and do what's right and not, you know, not put us six feet under. And we have that. And then we also have, there's something else that I think happens in jujitsu is I, I tell people this all the time. I say, if you let, like all the new people, I said, if you let jujitsu get inside, it will change you. It'll change your life, like for the better. And I think the people who are in jujitsu and that and, and love and have a passion for Brazilian jujitsu see that love and passion for in other people. And it, and it's, that common ground that we can, that we can all, uh, we can all like gather under that same umbrella, and it's like it's you know, and you'll never you'll see it all the time. You'll see a cop, a drug dealer, <laughs> you know, a doctor, uh, you know, you, you'll see all these these kind of people on the mat, and in the real world they would never cross paths and they would never associate with each other. But on the jujitsu mats, everybody's the same. It's a level playing field. Doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much authority you have. It doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what you can do on the mats. And that's it's a very um, pure and raw expression, I think, of of the human existence. Yes. And, and it's, I, a, it's more like nature, right? It's, it's yes. more of the hierarchy of like how a pack of animals works together. Whereas like there is an alpha and everybody kind of knows their place and you see wolves walking and they have a place for where the alpha goes and where the, the young bucks go and the older ones go and the women and children go. They, they know their order. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it, there's, there's, it, there's a, I don't know. There's just a truth that's revealed about people. You, you, it really reveals their character. The mats really reveal a lot about you that you can't, you can't really get anywhere else. You know, like, it, what, what, I, I completely agree, but like explain that a little bit better. Like, um, if you're a dick, I don't know. I don't know. Is that allowed on here? I don't know. Yeah, say whatever you want. <laughs> okay. If you're a dick, it's going to come out on the mats easily. Like if you're, if you just, if you're just a dick, people are going to know and, and, and it's going to weed you out or you're going to go find a place to train where everybody's a dick, which, you know, which is fine. Go find that place. Yeah. But, but you know, it's like if you get tapped out and you start hitting the mat because you got tapped out, that's a problem. You have, you have an ego problem, right? There's a lot of ego. We always say it. 
leave your ego out the door, but not everybody does it. And that, that takes time or it takes the, the willingness to, to leave that, that ego at the door. And if you don't, you know, that that's an issue. And that's the kind of thing that reveals what kind of a character you have. If you can't let go, if you can't, if you can't show people that you can be humbled, hmm. that, you know, that that's, that's a character flaw. Um, uh, the opposite can be true too. If you just roll over and let everybody do whatever they want to you, that's a character flaw too. You know, it, it's like the mats reveal who you who you are as a person. And there's really not many things on the planet that can reveal like your deep dark, not even your dark, but like your core, your mm-hmm. the core of a person to who you are. And and jujitsu does it. You know, if someone cranks it a cranks a submission a little too long or they do it a little too hard you know you that reveals something about it you know or if you're going for a heel hook you got a heel hook on a guy and they're turning the wrong way and you let go that reveals something about you right because you don't want them to get hurt you you have empathy you have you know you, you understand that you don't want to put this guy out of commission so I I think the mats that's what makes the mats so much more of a, a like, you know, a, um, that gives people more of a common ground because it, you're not getting to know the person I'm putting out on social media. You're not getting to know the person that I'm with when I'm with my boss. You're getting to know the real me. And if you get to know the real me and I get to know the real you, that's, that's, that's what jujitsu is. Don't, don't you find it incredible? Like you can see someone and perceive something about them. That guy's big, that guy's small. She looks fast. And then you touch the person and you begin to, to train and you learn so much about them from the energy that they're giving you. It's like very hard to explain, especially to someone who doesn't do jujitsu, but almost everyone who does jujitsu can instantly recognize what we're talking about. Whereas you you are feeling their energy. You are feeling if they're a spazzy person, if they're a methodical person, if they're a stubborn person, if they're loose and flowy, you know, if they're Yoda and they're bouncing around the room and they're going crazy. Like and, and it like you're saying, it's so revealing to 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 get to know people. And and to your point, I think that's like one of the incredible parts about um about why people stick together in jujitsu. It's because you cannot hide on that mat. There is nowhere to hide. It's almost as if you're naked and you're, you're revealing your truest self to all of your training partners and they know so much about you. They might not know anything about you. Actually, in my first book, I wrote about this and I'm writing about it in the new book, Business Jiu-Jitsu. This comes up where I say, um, you, your, your deepest emotions, like that you cannot hide from it. Like it is, it is there for your whole entire team to see and they might not know your name, right? Like they said, so you never had, that's the nickname guy. Oh, that's, uh, that's chubby. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. a gorilla. That's a, like, they don't even know what you do. Like I, you know, I have this situation that I talk about and it's like, I'm like, Hey, what about this guy can help you sell your house. He's a realtor. Oh, he's a realtor. I didn't know he's a realtor. I'm like, you've been training with him five nights a week for three years. You didn't know what he did for a living. It's like, you don't even know what they do for a living, but you know, their deepest aspects of their personality. Yeah. And, and what's even funnier is, is, you know, when they're having a good day 
or a bad day. You know, if they've had a bad day at work, you yeah. can tell they're off. Something's some dude, what, what's going on? You know, and how many therapy sessions have we had on the mat with our training partners? Yeah. I mean, even just in drilling or enrolling, you know, we, you know, you know, something's going on with somebody. What can I do? You know, are you all right, dude? Yeah. yeah, dude, just going on at work. I go, all right, let's put that, you know, let's put that out back and, you know, let's, let's concentrate on the now. Let's get it out of your head. Let's do this. Uh, it, it, it's something, you know, it's just, it, it really is, it really is an amazing thing that, that happens on the jujitsu mats. And, and I, I think everybody should, uh, again, I, even though obviously I'm biased, I, but I do believe everybody should do jujitsu. I, it, it will help the world. If everybody did jujitsu, I completely agree. Well, I feel like I could talk to you a lot about even more stuff, but uh, I'll be respectful of your time and say that I would welcome you to come back again on the podcast and learn more about you and and check in with you. Are there any? Is there any projects or anything you're promoting? You mentioned before that you're working for a new company and that we would get to that. Oh yeah, well, I'm I'm working for it's, it's called Nutrex Nutrex Research. Pull it up. Um, it's a uh, it's it's basically just a um, we're a supplement company. Nutrex. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just go to nutrex.com, I think uh, you'll see we it? have nutrex. Yep, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, everything from protein powder uh, to EAAs. BC- I'm trying to get everybody off the BCAAs and push them towards EAAs. Mm-hmm. Um, natural test boosters, protein powders, delicious protein powders. We have it all. I mean, it's it's. It's and and fingers crossed, you know, I'd love to be able to start getting some, you know, some combat sports athletes into, uh, into, uh, you know, under our fold eventually. Um, Mm. Right now isn't the right time, but they've been around for 20 years. It's, it's, it's a longstanding company. Mm -hmm. Again, and the reason, one of the reasons I came on um, is because of the, the quality of the products. Like there's there's a lot of products that say they do things and or whatever, but like when it comes to the stuff at Nutrex, not only are the products quality like they're like there's no natural colors or unnatural coloring added to like it's all just is that is what it is, mm. and so you know it's 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 good stuff. So it's I'm I'm the content manager there. So I, you know, I write, uh, I write some of the, uh, I write a lot of the, blo- all the blogs almost. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and I come up with some copy obviously, cause I am a copywriter, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at now. And yeah, and, yeah you know, um, we can, we can talk at length about why supplementation is important for jujitsu. Yeah. Tell me a little, I'm actually interested if you have a few minutes. Of course. Um, if you like most of the high, if you want to be a high level athlete in anything you do, it comes down to what you put in your body, right? You, you can't, <clears throat> you can't go scarf down, you know, a firehouse sub and a bunch of potato chips and to go and expect to have an incredible role. Right. So it comes down to the fuel you put inside your body and, more and more we're finding that nutrition is the key to performance. Um, 
it, it, it not, not, I mean, obviously we, you have to work out and do all that stuff, but like, if you don't have the nutrients your body needs, you're not going to get the, grow the muscle mass that you're, you need, or you're not going to be able to work hard enough to lose the weight you need to lose or whatever. So that's why, you know, supplementation is important, especially in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Most of the guys, most of the high-level guys I know supplement. Um, they're, they're taking a BCAA product. Again, I'm trying to get them on EAAs. Um, BCAAs, branched-chain amino acids. Mm -hmm. There's only four of those. Where in essential amino acids, there's, uh, there's nine. There's nine that your body actually needs. Hmm. Why would you cut your? Why would you cut that short with with four when you need all all nine? So I, I push people towards uh, as, and that, that kind of a drink you put you drink while you're you put it in you put a scoop in your water bottle and you sip that while you train. Yeah. You will recover faster. You will have uh, more energy simply mm -hmm. because you're you're able to utilize more of the water that your body's taking in. Um, and and the electric and replace the electrolytes you're losing. Uh, it's better than than a Gatorade, I guarantee you. Um, but uh, the EAAs I push people to. Protein is probably the key to life for humans. And mm. if it, you know if you're not if you're not taking in, like again, if you you need about a gram of protein per body weight per day, mm. maintain or to build so like if you wanted to get bigger you would need uh you know and you wanted to weigh 250 you'd you'd need to take 250 grams of protein a day to at least start feeding your body the protein it needs to get to that size or if you want to lose weight if you want to get down to 200 and you're eating 250 grams of protein you might want to pull back on that so we <laughs> uh, so there you know we have those things we have uh pre-workout um i take once in a while, I don't take it all the time. I take it when I'm definitely lagging. Um, but uh, the pre-workout, they have a they have a flavor. It's, uh, of, it's called Outlift, and they have a flavor that's that's gummy bear. And I don't know how they did it, but literally, you when you when you drink it, you can't tell which flavor it was, but it tastes exactly like a freaking gummy bear. <laughs> I got that pulled up here. This. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's all, I mean, we, again, this is something that I think is, is it, it's not overlooked by the high, the high level guys. Yeah. But it, it, it's often overlooked by the hobbyists, you know, they don't, you know, they think, oh, I'm just going to eat some acai and call it a day. <laughs> but no, I mean, you need, you like, if you truly, truly want to perform, you need to treat your body like, you know, again, you have to, you want to be like an athlete. You have to treat your body like an athlete hmm. and you have to give it what it needs. So I, I would, uh, well, let me ask you about one of my fears. Cause I, I'm, I have, don't really supplement too much. Uh, my wife does, she's a marathon runner. She takes branch chain amino acids. So I'm going to tell her about your product. But one of my fears is every other influencer you see is punch pushing some private label thing that comes from China. It seems like your company might be a little bit different. So can you just like, give me, give me a little education. Like what, what's, is your, is your stuff made here? Is it made fresh? Like how does, how does it work? It's all made in the U S. Mm -hmm. Um, I, it's not all sourced in the U S but like, yeah. like 
everything is 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 combined and mixed here in the U.S. Um, they uh, this company Nutrex has been around for 20 years. They they're yeah. one of the long-standing uh, Nutrex or uh, nutraceutical companies in the game, and it's something that uh, is you know having a legacy is important in anything and and when it comes to this world companies pop up and disappear in a blink of an eye yeah. but yet to have the longevity to be here for 20 years is, is special and right now we're kind of going through a rebrand of of the entire uh you know like a rebrand like if you those are all the, if you're looking there that's what those are all the blogs i've, I've written all those yeah so um if, if you're ever in into uh need to spend you know 15 minutes reading something or no i shouldn't say that they're probably like eight minute reads yeah. but um you know you have eight minutes to kill on the toilet and you want to learn about <laughs> this is the new new trex blog n-u-t-r-e-x I'll, I'll link to it and all the uh you know, yeah i mean it's just it's it's something you know it's there's a bunch of small companies and that pop up every once in a while. And, you know, a lot of people look at it as a cash grab and, and they, they do some people, there are companies out there making, you know, 250 million a year, you know? Yeah. Um, but Nutrex is, is, has been here longstanding and they've been slow and steady. Haven't really been in a, like they're, they're innovators, but they haven't like really crowed about it. And now I think it's time to crow a little bit about what we're, what we do. So we're going through a rebrand right now. I'm a part of that. And uh, it's, it's been exciting. Um, and it's just a, a different world to be a part of because it's still, it's, it's got crossover to jujitsu mm -hmm. and, and um, it's just one of those things that, again, I, I think every jujitsu athlete, if they're, if they want to compete, you know, if you ever, if you want to take competition seriously, you need to take diet seriously. And if you're not supplementing in that diet, don't, don't say, well, I, I worked as hard as I could to, you know, and then you lost in the first round, but yeah. that means you didn't work that hard because if you're not supplementing, you're not doing everything you can, because there's no way you can get every single thing you need from natural food sources, unless mm -hmm. you have the time to cook every single meal. <laughs> and, and like you know, and who had like like that's so hard nowadays so yeah but like i i i at least three of the meals i call them meals but at least three of the things i put in my body a day are are, new, are uh protein shakes mm. it's just quick easy way to get the protein my body needs so like you know i i put them so just in protein shakes i'm putting in about 150 grams of protein so that means i need to get another 100 to 120 grams of protein a day through my regular meals. Are you maintaining your weight right now? That's the weight you want to stay? No, well, I'm, I, no, I, you know, I've been trying to get down for decades. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but like, it, it's like, but now it's like, I'm truly serious about it. I'd, I'd like, again, I'm trying to get to my, I think my optimum weight would be like between 250 and 260. But my first goal is to get down to 275, which I've done a few times. I've just, haven't been able to maintain that because I just, I just kind of, you know, get back into those old habits and it's easy to do. And I, I get to thank UCF for that because dude, <laughs> I, I didn't get to tell you the way I got to two to three ten in four months was three, four meals a day, 
The fourth meal being eight McDonald's cheeseburgers. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and a twelve hundred calorie weight gain shake. Wow! And it worked. And I didn't like. I didn't like gain a lot of fat then. Like I like I kept. I was able to wear the same pants though they were super tight. <laughs> but over the years, it's just kind of gotten harder and harder and harder. Um, but I'm still, you know, like. I obviously, when you look at me, I'm obviously, I've obviously got some chub, but I, it's more muscle than chub, and and, and you know I, I attribute that to yeah. You have that like Danielle Cormier, uh, you know that that build that like you're. Not, it doesn't matter how skinny you get, you would still be big. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, I don't, I don't think I'll ever have abs. Um, I mean, I, I get close, I get close, but. Um, then what's I'll this AI-generated picture I saw on your Instagram over yeah, here? Well, you know what? I use. I, <laughs> what's funny is those pictures I used. I used some of my post pictures because what I've been doing is I've been trying to uh, log my um, my pictures from uh, when I take the uh, I, I when I do sauna. I'll take yeah. a picture and I'm, I want to log what I look like. So I really don't. There. I mean, I look different from that from the one with the abs but i really i don't look that much different like like if i showed you the the picture that i used yeah you're like oh wow you kind of have abs which is weird <laughs> but i yeah. kind of don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've gotten there uh my almost myself too it's like where i feel like oh i'm right there and then it's uh and then i don't but i'm gonna really try to make it this this new this next push i'm doing uh, to really try to get to those. Well, yeah. Maybe supplementation is going to help me get there. Get some protein shakes, bro. Yeah. What, like I, I use the vanilla because I can mix it in everything. Like I like to mix yeah. it with um, like, like if you mix it with fruit punch or, or like the, I, I buy the sugar-free minute made fruit punch or orange juice in the morning. I'll mix mm. it with that and it makes like a orange cream sickle kind of a flavor. Yeah. But I like the, I like the vanilla cause it mixes with everything. But if you're a chocolate guy, Get the chocolate, but like you know, that's that's uh, I, I I start supplementing some some at least some protein. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna order on your site right after we're done here, and I just also wanted to go back and share on Instagram. Sean is Gorilla Boy BJJ, uh, great account. Don't expect. I hope people don't expect a lot of jujitsu if you follow me. I try to just put stuff up to make people smile or laugh. Or think, and I and I stay try to stay away from politics. Yeah, <laughs> here I picked up this shirt this morning. It's a excellent shirt, uh, Gorilla Boy American Jiu Jitsu. I bought that this morning off your Etsy site. I'm pumped to get that. I'm turning it into a weightlifting shirt for when I'm training. Um, great, great merch on here. Just please support Sean's website. Yeah, and. Man, I can't, uh, I can't wait to see you again soon for some training. Yeah, I'm making a big push right now to expand my business down into Florida. Uh, I have a chain of women's clothing stores, Mixology Clothing Company. I have 15 stores here in New York. And I've been doing business down in Florida for many years in my commercial real estate business. But um, now I'm trying to open up my clothing store down in your neck of the woods. So I'm coming down hopefully every couple of weeks for the next next couple well, of years. So hopefully you'll be yeah. seeing a lot more of me. Yeah, and and – my so just so you oh, know, yeah. my school and Manny's school are the same school, even though we're we don't mix our money, 
we're, yeah. the, same, we're the same team. So like, if yeah. you ever want to come train at Temple, you're more than welcome to train at Temple. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I teach. It's my it's my program, mm -hmm. but I, I teach the seven a.m.s when I'm home, and then uh, and then the Tuesday and Thursday night uh, nogi, which is which is the bumping nights. Those are when I get, yeah, it was never meant to be a big school, but on Tuesday and Thursday nights, I will get 20 guys on the two small mat areas I have. So wow. it's fun. It's fun. My, I have a, I told my guys that I had a goal and I think we've reached the goal. The goal with, with my school is, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, the Lords of Dogtown. Sure. Yeah. Skateboarding movie. Yes. Um, I told them I want us to be the Lords of Dogtown of Jiu-Jitsu. Wow. And we are. And um and, and it was evidence one of the last uh one of the last new breeds we did where we're, you know, my guys won. One of my guys he's on the we all took a team photo on the podium and he's blowing his vape smoke up in the air. And it's just like it's such a such a <laughs> double thing to do, but that's what I wanted us to be. I don't want us to be conventional. I want us to be the guys that show up and show out. And then, and everybody's like, who the hell are those guys? So yeah. they're, 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 they're doing me proud. I love it. Well, Sean, I'm so grateful for you coming on the podcast and sharing with us. I thought you dropped some gems today and uh, a lot of things for me to think about. I'll be thinking about the Buddha guard and trying to drill that a little for the next time that I see you and uh, really looking forward to training with you again soon. And if I could be of service to you in any way, you don't hesitate to reach out. You never will. Thanks, Sean. See ya. Thank you.